0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to HR Works, the podcast for HR professionals. We really appreciate you taking the time out of your busy day to join us. I am the host of HR Works, Jim Davis, and also the editor of the HR Daily Advisor. This podcast aims to put valuable tools and knowledge into the hands and ears of you, the HR professional. Those tools will arm you with the best methods and strategies for attracting, motivating, and retaining top talent. One of the most important topics in HR right now involves company culture. HR managers know that without great company culture, your organization will suffer an array of problems from getting candidates in the door right through keeping candidates from walking out the door. Today we're lucky to have experts, Keith Gowdy, PhD, and Duncan Ferguson, MA, to discuss a type of culture known as purpose-driven culture and the value that it has on organizations. Keith Gowdy is managing partner at Vantage. For over 20 years, he has been a leader and a consultant. He has extensive skill in working with individuals and senior management teams to optimize their effectiveness and demonstrate strategic leadership. Dr. Gowdy's coaching specialties include accelerating the development of high potentials, helping company officers get to the next level in their careers, building and leading high performance teams, and minimizing unproductive behaviors and habits that can limit personal credibility and effectiveness. Duncan Ferguson is Managing Director of Client Services at Vantage. He has held a variety of senior leadership roles with BP Amoco and GATX. Prior to joining Vantage, Duncan was Managing Director at BPI Group, a global HR consulting firm. His role at Vantage is diverse and includes executive coaching, leadership development, consulting, marketing, social media, and relationship management. Duncan has been researching what it means to be a best boss and how this impacts organizational leadership, engagement performance, and retention. Keith, Duncan, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today and talk about this important topic.
1: Yeah, Thanks, Jim, We we're, we're excited to be here, for sure.
0: Yeah, thank you, Jim. Absolutely, why don't we jump right in. For those of our listeners who might not know, can you please just describe what purpose-driven culture is?
2: Well, this is Keith. It, you know, Fundamentally, it's that you are working for a sense of meaning rather than for uh, purely financial means or economic means, whether it's an individual or at the organizational level.
1: Yeah, this is, this is Duncan. I, you know, I, I make the distinction between mission and, and purpose. Um, mission is kind of what we do and uh, purpose is why we do it. So it's kind of the difference between the head and the heart.
0: Why is a pro- purpose-driven culture so important for the long-term health of a company?
2: I suppose this is key from, from one perspective, it's, you know, you could probably arguably imagine that it's a better way to, to live your life. Um, or maybe, I guess what we're saying here is it's a better way to run a company. And there's certainly, a great deal being written, and a growing body of research that suggests that whether it's at the individual, team, or organization level, when people work for purpose, a sense of meaning um, versus um, you know the, the financials of a you know, business-based culture, they tend to folks or organizations can perform better, um, m- are more engaged, more likely to remain with an organization, and in fact, their you know individuals are more likely to become leaders. Um, when they work for a sense of of purpose, um, it's also something you'll you know we've been running into is this this notion of a leader's most important job is to connect people um, to their purpose, and so um, organizations that focus on purpose are, are better equipped to hire such people and to and to help leaders understand how to how to do that.
1: Uh, Yeah, and let me just add to what Keith had to say, Jim. This is Duncan. Um, I've read a a lot of data that that really speaks to purpose-driven cultures and organizations that pursue that, that they perform better in the marketplace. Uh, A number that I've seen uh, in many places is it's like 40% 40%, more successful than other organizations that don't pursue that. So there's one reason, at at least, just to kind of pay attention to it. Um, The other thing that's going on so much... Across all organizations as anybody who's listening to this podcast can attest to is this um, this, this that, that organizations are constantly in the throes of disruption and change and all that kind of good stuff and I, I've always seen purpose as is kind of that north star for organizations to help them kind of level set give them a good foundation to to adapt to change and to deal with things that get thrown at them it's no different than As an individual if you have that sense of purpose about yourself it can help you weather the storm and i think it does the same thing for organizations as well
0: yeah i mean you know i've i'm pretty familiar with some of the numbers about you know just having sort of a positive work culture or a diverse culture in general leading to a bottom line you know and i have a lot of guests that sit sit where you guys are sitting and i'll usually ask them a similar question which is okay so it's great for the bottom line um, why, why aren't places doing it? What's stopping everyone from having a, a culture like that?
1: Well, I'll, I'll kick in here and start. And then I know Keith has some things to say too. I, I'll start with just something simple. I I think that it the the term culture is just kind of this broad and amorphous concept. It's a little bit hard and squishy, you know, it's a little hard to get your hands around. Uh, and it, 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 because it's, it, because it's like that, it, it causes you to say, so what do I do to kind of deal with the culture? It's a lot easier to do things traditionally when you think about, I can, I can maybe, uh, I can do something with the structure, I can do something on the balance sheet, um, I can do something with process, I can move people here and there, and you can start to sense this is what's gonna do, to, these are some things that I tactically can do to kind of change the business results. Um, and, and I, I, so I, I think it's partly that, that it's this broad thing. That's hard to get, it's kind of hard to get your hands around in terms of what can you do and what does it look like and what does it mean? Um, I, I think the other thing is it's just, it's hard because of that. I think it's a lot harder for somebody with an organization to drive a, to think about culture and culture change versus to the traditional way of doing things, which is, I, I just, it's, it's easy to kind of tell people what to do and where to stand and all that kind of good stuff. It doesn't get you where you need to go i don't think but it, it is it is a hard concept to i think understand
2: and jim it's you know it's it's clear that this hasn't this isn't the way managers are trained at mba school or you know elsewhere to to start with a sense of, of purpose versus all oh, the financial um fundamentals that are instilled into them from you know the beginning of their careers and um also, I think there's a, you know, we've, we've all been trained in, you know, the scientific method and, and management fundamentals. And it's easy to think that we can solve problems through training or greater oversight. Um, and, and as you find these, as many companies find that these things don't work, you can sort of decide to double down or, or take a different tack. Um, and I think also, it's just something that People don't understand very well. It's ambiguous. It's like Duncan was saying. So, um, if if you're saying, okay, that sounds important, what do I do next? You know, it's a little harder to get out of the starting block unless the organization's committed to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, it seems like training. You know, you mentioned training. You know, we've we've done our own research, and I've read other research. It, it's almost always directed at the lowest level employees. The mid-level managers, and then the higher up you climb, the less training that's even conducted. Um, what and whether that training is is quality training or not, you know. So that's a one of these things where people are trying to change an organization from the bottom. Um, I imagine with purpose-driven culture, it's critical for HR managers to start at the top. What happens if that doesn't happen, or if someone starts somewhere else along the chain of command?
2: Uh, this is Keith, you know, uh, uh, you know, a, a lot of assumptions around culture are based on what's being reinforced from the top. And so management teams are, are all the time and this happens in every organization around the world are are doing things that both promote and work against the espoused culture or the espoused values. Sometimes, you know, we just don't know it. Um, mm. So uh, when you think about systems of incentives or, or how, leaders are selected you know these these are decisions that start at the top and although you can't just change the culture from the top because you decide you want you, you know you want to do it um, really when you when you think about having a purpose-driven culture that that's something that becomes foundational um, and is something that gets reinforced by senior leaders on down and it's just not it's kind of like pushing water up a hill to use that metaphor and you, you can imagine how difficult it is if an HR manager or director, you know, someone in HR says, I think we should do this. And then it runs into roadblocks because people see that what's being what they want to do or what's being suggested isn't going to get them very far. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I I think that, um, you know, I I look at organizations. I I think the CEO is the chief culture officer, not the HR person. The HR person is there to help drive that and brings a certain amount of skills and capabilities and stuff. But it, it has to start at the top because uh, that's, that's the, that's the person and the executive team, they're the people that are leading the charge. And if it doesn't start there, and they're not the ones behind it, at some point, something's going to happen where they don't practice what they preach. And, and at that point, at that point, now it starts to dissipate, you know, people are People want a performance-driven culture, I think most people, but they're also a little bit cynical when they hear people start to talk about it. Yeah, And they'll be looking at things really closely to make sure that the behaviors and the words are, are, are in alignment with the actions.
0: Yeah, that's um, that's exactly what I was thinking when I heard about, you know, when I heard you describe the definition is that how bad it would be if an organization tried to instill this kind of purpose-driven culture and then fell flat. You know if they talk the talk but didn't walk the walk how damaging that would be to engagement and and performance at that organization
1: you could argue that you'd be in a worse worse spot uh if you try that and fail than you were when you without even trying trying at all and i i agree and at at some point you know the word that you see sprinkled throughout this this topic is uh, is around transparency and authenticity and trust and stuff like that and it starts and ends there and and people within organizations watch that really, really, really closely to make sure that um, there's sincerity and authenticity tied to this, because because there's a lot of examples where the talk has been there but not the follow through.
0: Let's um. You know, earlier, you mentioned that there's a difference between a mission and purpose-driven culture. Can you just explain why that's important?
2: Uh, this is Keith. I'll take the first crack at it and. Um... And I'll use an example from my consulting. I was working with a, um, a group in a um, software company and asked them to talk about the, 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 their purpose as, an, as a team, because there was a you know, divisional meeting. There are five different groups meeting in this divisional meeting, and they're, you're going to talk about how does it all roll up into the, the higher level purpose. And they all started talking about mission statements type things, because that's what comes easier. Right. We're gonna, we're gonna be the best at what we do. You know, we're gonna be the leader um, in the market because it's talked about far more often. Um, and then when you ask people to start, yes, that's great. That's a good mission statement, but does that, ins- you know, what is the purpose? And you can see them kind of get stumped and you say, well, why do you do what you do? And then I, I've often, you know, told groups as they're talking about this, here's a litmus test if, if you're writing down your purpose, and it doesn't inspire you you're probably talking about your mission and you just need to um refocus it a little bit
1: yeah i, I would agree with with keith i it, it that the word aspirational or inspirational it, it it again talks to your heart not your head and there's nothing wrong with a mission statement it's really good to be be clear on what you do but but it's even more important to really understand why you do it and how does that connect to the individual and um that that makes all the difference in the world to kind of getting somebody's spirit into their, into their job, into their work, into their company. It,
0: they always seem to me uh, mission statements. They always seem to me like uh, like a wish list. Oh. You know, <laughs> here's the ten things that we we espouse. But you know, in, until you actually go and and live and breathe those things, they're nothing more than a than just that, just a list.
2: Well, you know, in in our firm. Jim, um, advantage our mission statement or our, our vision is to be the best partner for selecting and developing world class leaders, hmm. and we mean it. Um, and I think we can measure it. But when we talk about our purpose, it's you know, we, we want to help people achieve their potential, and we, we think great leaders lead to a better workforce and arguably a better world. You know, it begins to get pretty aspirational, but I, I'll say one thing. I know everyone in our firm believes that when you wake up in the morning, you're like, what's what's my purpose today? Well, I'm going to I'm going to help someone make a great decision about who, who they hire or, 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 you know, what they're doing as a leader. And so it, it's more kind of it
1: resonates at a gut level. Yeah, you know, in, in organizations, I you know, I've been we go into a lot of organizations. I've been into a, a bunch of them and work at a few myself. And and you can tell when the, the, the mission statements of people come, even the values of through missions Mission, vision, values, and they'll kind of piece it together, and you'll go in and you'll see it plastered all over conference room walls and stuff <laughs> like that. But, but you can tell you can tell if people have taken it farther inside an organization, and if if, if it gets to starting to talk into the why and the purpose, versus just the stuff that's on the wall that people couldn't couldn't recite back to you if you if you if if, if you ask them the question ten minutes after they leave work.
2: And uh, Jim, just building on that, this is Keith. Um, uh, another thing we've observed. Is that when you get people talking about purpose, you get them talking about their own purpose, mm. and I can tell you these are fun conversations. You see people, their eyes, you know, kind of come alive, and um, it, it kind of it's very energizing. It's a it's a fun conversation. Not that that's necessarily all we're here to do is to get together and have fun, but it, it's a qualitatively different you know discussion.
0: Yeah, um, that's all very interesting. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, you know, why role modeling uh, is so important to creating a a purpose-driven culture and how it's used to do so?
2: Uh, This is Keith. I'll take a first crack at it. Um, Part of our, part of what we do is we we evaluate candidates for leadership positions. We do it with the entire leadership lifecycle. First-time leaders all the way to the C-suite, and we have this big, Frontline leader practice and evaluating over 10,000 um, frontline leaders, you know, over the past decade or so, we would we have observed that um, communicating an inspirational vision or helping to connect people to their purpose is probably the most difficult skill a leader um, can can learn or demonstrate for for whatever reason. Um, and so, uh, literally, you need. Role models because most people um, don't really seem to know how to do this. Uh, hmm. I, I was looking at a, some research d- conducted by NYU a few years back, and um, according to that research, about 30% of the US workforce is purpose driven, suggesting that 70% is more stature economic driven. And I think that leads more credence to the idea of it doesn't come naturally um and and as a leader it can be a hard thing to learn how to do
1: yeah i would echo that um this is duncan i you know i it doesn't it doesn't come naturally and it isn't easy to do so so you you need to be able to show what it looks like and so that people can kind of buy into it and i i will say from working in a lot of organizations there are people that do this naturally, and I and we'll probably get into this a little bit later, Jim, but um, it to me, it's incumbent on organizations to realize who those real culture slash change agents are within the organization and unleash them. And too often, those people are not unleashed or not, not even noticed. But those are the people that are really the influencers in the culture that can make a huge difference in terms of role modeling and behaviors and all that type of thing.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, if it's difficult for people to connect, you know, with their purpose, Um, it's probably even harder to find people that either can already do that or that you feel can become like that. What advice would you give to an HR professional uh, for identifying candidates with this unique quality?
2: Well, one would be to get it right from the start, and so when you promote or hire People into management or, or leadership roles, um, that could be a core capability that you emphasize when making, you know, promotional decisions, which I think implies that um, you might want to include leading with a higher purpose or leading with purpose in your, you know, your competencies or leader models or or success profiles.
1: Yeah, I would I would add to what Keith had to say that. I, I... I think you need to be really clear on what you're looking for in terms of let's talk about leadership and leaders and competencies and behaviors and then as as keith said then you go about the task of really understanding how to find that and how to look for it one, one thing i'll make a plug for is and I, I don't think enough organizations really look at the recruiting process is is one of the most strategic processes that they should that that, that, it, that, that is tied to their success and I have a lot of experience kind of both internally as an HR leader and then in consulting to kind of witness recruiting processes. And I don't, I don't see a lot of world-class operations. And think about it. Is there anything more important than, than a recruiting process and who you're bringing into your organization, into your organizational community or your family? And um, I, I really believe that a, a big investment in that. So you, you start out by understanding what you're looking for, and then you have a recruiting process to really help you find it. And then once you get inside, you, you do everything you can to, to nurture it and develop it.
0: So, how can an HR manager best help leaders to become more human-centered and capable of connecting with employees? Uh, how much is it? How much is natural, and how much is learned?
2: Well, I'll take the first crack at it. I, I think what we're learning is that, um, and uh,
0: perhaps this is
2: surprising, a lot of this needs to be learned, right? Connecting people to their purpose or helping people be become more human-centered. Um, for some reason in a business culture or a business context seems to need to be learned. Um, one of the things I've observed is that a one basic tactic to, to move this forward that you can do on an individual level is to just help people be better listeners. I've worked with a number of of executives, whether they're introverted or, or extroverted. And one thing they can all do, they can use deep listening as a powerful, motivational tool. And, um, you know, think about it this way. If if you talked to someone yesterday, and and you thought afterwards, I I don't think I've been that well listened to in the last three months, you know, think about that as a human centered, um, you know, outcome, and, and how, and how powerful that can be. And it's, 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 it's a skill that everyone can learn or get better. at. So that's a pretty good place to start. Um, I was at a a conference yesterday and they had posters all around the room and they were meant to be inspirational. And one of, and one of them, and I, I'm not, I'm going to get it wrong as far as getting the quote just right. But it said that, you know, being listened to is so much like being loved. It's hard to tell the difference, which, so, you know, that says a lot.
1: Yeah. I, I will chime in here too. I, you know, going back to your question. You know, I, I think about natural leadership and stuff like that. I you'd mentioned the best boss research that, that we have done and are continuing to do. And um, these people who are, have been our best bosses, as you hear people's stories and talk, talk, talk to them about the experience. These are people that kind of naturally get it. And the stories kind of confirm that there's a second group of leaders that are pretty good. And as Keith said, it's all about learning and they can learn to be great. And they, they develop themselves and pay attention. Then there's a third group that we might talk about a little bit later are people that are in leadership roles that probably shouldn't be. And they do an awful lot of damage. So, you know, within that, um, I think that you need to provide feedback to leaders to help them to help them learn and grow and develop and all that kind of good stuff. One thing I know from my role, my roles in human resources is that you can form those kind of relationships with leaders where you have strong relationship, they trust you, you have credibility. And you can, you, they'll come to you and actually look for feedback on how they're doing in terms of leadership skills and behaviors that the organization is asking for. Another area that I think is important is um, to, to get those leaders together from time to time and let them help each other. I, I, was, I was experienced with a larger organization that did that. They put people, their leaders through training, and then they pull them together every six months to talk about what they're learning, how they can help each other, share best practices and stuff like that. And then finally i would focus on a lot of the key processes that are really vital to making sure that people are paying attention compensation is important so this should be integrated into the compensation process and uh, in your bonuses and your your performance raises and stuff like that should be there should be a some sort of tie-in to your behaviors as a leader and are you doing what the organization wants to try to develop this purpose-driven culture but that goes with everything from identifying high potential people to Uh, Again, as I said, performance management, compensation, those types of things, it's really vital to integrate it into the organization and how it works.
0: I just have one last question, and it involves that third group of people that you were talking about. Um, These are people that are not human-centered and maybe can't even be taught how to be, or if they can, it's hard to get that process started. What would be your advice to you know especially if they're the ceo or something you know um kind of a related we had a a workplace violence and bullying expert in here and i asked her the same question about what happens when when the boss is a bully and uh and she said find a new job i'm wondering if you have any advice for (laughs) for an hr manager that you know that is can recognize and look at the numbers and say our boss is not, is not helping the culture. We're not ma- performing as well as we could, and we need to do something.
2: Um, well, I, I was um, as you're asking the question, I was thinking back to a conversation we were having with a CEO who was, who had asked us to help him identify the next head of HR in his company, and he said, you know, the the CEO and the head of HR needs to get a five out of five on cares about people. Uh, which, you know, this is a very tough guy, you know, <laughs> and he, and he got results and he, you know, he'd been up through a lot of challenges and I, I just thought that is so powerful. Um, right. So no one is, uh, uh, released from the responsibility of showing that they care about people. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the things we talked about earlier was how, how can you help people connect to their purpose and, you know, a basic question would be, what gives you a sense of meaning and purpose in your job? Ask ask that question to anybody. If you're not a person who can ask that question, you you should not be, you know, in a in a leadership role. Now, to the perp- to the question of what should an HR manager doing if they're seeing that that's not going to that's not part of the values at the top? You know, there's a lot of decisions you could you could make, but I think find a new job is probably the one I would go with.
1: <laughs> you know, this is a re- that's a really good question. Um, Jim, I um. First of all, we we talked earlier about a purpose-driven culture and 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 how hard it is to a, a, attain. And if you if you want to do everything you can to um to, to not get there, is to keep leaders in those roles that aren't operating like the culture says they want the culture to be. Uh, so number one, that's going to just take you down the wrong path, and people are going to look at it with cynicism. So you say we're going through this purpose-driven culture and this is where we want to get to, but I work for this guy, for this gal or whatever. Hmm. Um, so number one, number two, there's all kinds of data is, you know, people don't leave companies. They leave, they leave lousy bosses. And uh, Gallup reports that every year is the number one reason in America that people leave their organizations. And in this day and age, when you're looking for top talent and you're trying to keep people engaged and, and trying to retain them longer than typically people are retained these days, the, the thing that the worst thing you can do is to give them a really lousy boss to work for um, mm-hmm. so it's all about to me it's all about engagement about driving that and and so I this is a tough one this is where the rubber meets the road and this is where organizations need to stand up and there's nothing more visible about a company that doesn't mean what it's saying than when it allows people to be in leadership roles that don't belong there in terms of what they're looking for in leadership and the culture and competencies and behaviors and stuff like that and at some point you got to make that decision you got to you gotta, you gotta say that, you know, this person cannot be in a leadership role in our organization.
2: Jim, one more comment about that. Um, something more specific, I suppose, than what I said earlier about what should you do if you're trying to think about whether or not you're in the right company. Um, we often, when, we, when we're we coaching folks uh, or giving them some counsel, we encourage them to write out a few lists. And one of them is what are, what are your needs and what's your value proposition? And what are the needs of the company you work for? and, and what is their value proposition to you and that is a perhaps a more structured way of really thinking about i don't know if this is the right place for me to be whether it's because i have a bad boss or senior management isn't purpose uh, driven or not
0: hmm. yeah those um those are interesting answers you know it's uh it, just the other day, I was checking out this company on Glassdoor, mm. you know, and and that's such an important part of this whole discussion. It's it was a fairly large company. They were a software company. They had pretty good overall ratings, but when you looked at what was said negatively, uh, almost every one of them was the CEO's juvenile. The CEO. Uh, they need a new CEO, they need someone to, you know, it was the same exact thing, you know, and uh, I just like to to browse around there. But if I were looking for a new job, that would be a big red flag for me, even with good reviews on the other side, you know, because especially at the CEO level, there's, I'm never going to, you know, especially, you know, if I were entering the company as a sort of a lower level individual, I would never be able to address that problem, you know.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, but you you could make a decision on is the person I'm going to work for directly? Are they going to are they going to be great to work for? or Are they going to be terrible? And um, and I think that that's the, the really great organizations that we work. They think a lot about that, and they they make their leadership brand really important. So it's it's part of the recruiting process that says if I'm going to work in this organization, I'm going to work for somebody pretty good and pretty good can take a lot of different definitions and meanings and stuff like that but certainly if it's a purpose driven culture I would be looking for that if I was if I was joining an organization if that was important to me I would pay really atten- really 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 close attention to what I'm learning from my, my potential direct supervisor and how are they behaving and how are they treating me during mm-hmm. the recruiting process
0: well uh, Keith Duncan thank you so much for joining me today this, is, uh, this was really good I know our listeners are going to enjoy it um yeah thanks guys
1: thanks jim sure thanks jim we we
0: we love it you're absolutely welcome listeners we are always interested in any suggestions that you might have for what we should cover next feel free to reach out to us at on twitter at hr works podcast with any thoughts or concerns you have or if you just want to say hi thank you for listening this is jim davis with hr works